Quite Like a Podcast, and this is Quite Like a Podcast. Okay, welcome back, podcasters, to episode five of Quite Like a Podcast, uh, with me, Rory Forbes. And me, Tim Dedman. So, Tim, how have you been doing? We're, we've had an extended break. Yes, th- three weeks since our last outing, due mainly to me um, having a week in Derbyshire. I've been having withdrawal symptoms, I have to say. And I think you did get out and about as well. Yeah, we had a weekend in Cornwall. Very uh, nice. As well, so it was been, we've been off-island once more, whilst we've been off-air. Highlight? Highlight of your trip? I have to say, I think probably, obviously seeing family, get that in quickly, um, uh, you know, visited to 2C family and enjoy their company. And um, But I think the highlight of the trip was the journey. Now, not many people who've travelled to Cornwall would say the highlight of a trip to Cornwall was the journey. But the, the new dual carriageway, Eco Warriors, please apologise, accept my apologies, but the dual carriageway makes a much faster journey right down. So to, where, to whereabouts tip. is this particular... So dual the dual carriageway is effectively from, um, let me get this right, around Bodmin down into uh, the uh, kind of the, the toll of Cornwall so straight away. There's, I think there's a, sub, a National Grid substation called Indian Queens, and it's where the old A30 used to go to a single lane. Right. And as you say, everything used to just pause there. Yeah, and I, can, I can remember nine hour journeys yeah. back in the day. So presumably they've extended that, and yes. that must make life uh, a whole lot better. And are continuing. There's a whole series of roadworks down there as well, which we sailed through on a Sunday afternoon coming back on our Friday morning going down in both directions relatively quickly. Um, so, yeah, and the scenery. You know, whilst you are in the car, going at a reasonable pelt down the road, beautiful scenery, lots of wind turbines to look at, and as you get further down into Cornwall, you can see the sea on both sides. But we're also taken from the island. We crossed over to Lymington, went down through um, uh, Bridport and past Dorchester, Hugh um, Fernie Whittingstall territory. Absolutely, yes. And again, some fantastic sylvan landscapes there. And we'll talk more about landscapes and you know how impressive a good landscape can be later on in the podcast. Yes, yeah. we had a bit of the same in the Peak District. Um, we, we stayed in, in your grieve, which is an old um, tin mining village uh, just on the edge of the peaks. Uh, we've been going back for, for a number of years and it's sort of a dog-friendly holiday. And we stayed in an Airbnb, which may again be something that we'd like to, like to mm. come come back to. But we had a great time, and there's a three pubs in a small village. But our favourite is one called the George Hotel, which is pretty traditional and may even get a photo on our new Instagram ah, account. Our new social media uh, activity, where we'll be promoting um, much more widely, uh, you know, the podcast and you know what we're all about. And giving you a view of some of these um, breakfasts we keep talking about. Absolutely, yes, because it's very two-dimensional when it's just oral. But you do need a kind of the third dimension of a pictorial representation. Yes, and introduce you to some of the other characters who've played a part in these uh, podcasts, a bit like um, the dog Parker, who barked in the last one, and uh, my youngest son, who won a case of Iron Brew for identifying the fizzy pop a few episodes ago. Which is another notice we can make you know coming back after a, a break if i feel like a headmaster standing up in front of the school tim and saying and another notice you know after our holidays uh, matron would like to inform uh, uh, the you all that uh, pop of the week remains unclaimed so i think we should roll that one forward 
Roll that uh, one forward. So is that from episode four for those that, who need to go back and do their homework? Episode four. Okay. Check us out on our new Instagram page where there will be a full uh, inventory of all episodes uh, with a simple clicks through to you. So what are we talking about today? I think we have a number of topical things. We're going to break this down into, again, as we've always done, you know, some topical items that are of, of national and global significance interest to us, but also some uh, island-related facts and activities and I think Ireland will be very dominant over the coming weeks because we're coming up to a significant holiday break. Uh, we're recording on the 30th of March and uh, school holidays start tomorrow for most of most of the country, most of the UK. So the island's going to be inundated with uh, cars and coach parties. It's noticeable as well how little um, ventures that have been shut up for the winter are starting to come back to life. Um, we were walking along the front at Sandown the other day and, you know, one of the uh, ice cream, tea, coffee cafes that has been shut up ever since, ooh, I don't, we can't remember it opening, um, is now was now open for, for customs. So the one that used to sell the pennants and kites just at the very end of the esplanade before you double back into the town, they used to sell whiplash aerials, the sort of thing you have on a campsite where you have the Jolly Roger. Yes, yes. Roger flying there. They were, they were open. The other thing, of course, is that dogs will be banished fairly soon. So we lose a lot of our favourite yes. beaches, which are um, not dog friendly. After uh, I think it's the first April. of May. Well, I, I think it's I think it's the end of April, beginning of May, right. through to September. So we have to head, head inland or go to the little bits where you know the excluded um, groups are kind of <laughs> congregate together and talk conspiracy and dog poo, and, and so everyone forth. can point at you and. Yes throw things at you all. <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about the white, and I think we were going to specifically have a look at some of the TV things that have been on recently. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's a lot of very very timely topical uh, stuff to refer to there. Okay, a few, a few bits of off-island, which we've already started on. And also, um, what makes a good day out? Oh. Uh, what, what, what makes for, and we'll, we'll explain this more further into the podcast, but what makes a good pastime? How do you time a pastime. How do you cost whether you've had a good time or not, good value for money? Um, as we think about activities and uh, attractions on the island, but also just in normal pastimes. So this is comparing things like going to a Premier League football game with reading a book. Correct. And how, how do you possibly... Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll explain. We've got some ideas of units of measure to, to discuss, so keep tuned in for that. So... First topical observation is Tim and I's mathematics. Um, we uh, like to report an apology to you all for getting our maths wrong in uh, episode four when we spoke at length about an organisation called the 93% Club um, having taken 17% off 100% made 93, which of course it doesn't. I'm sure the eagle-eyed out there noticed that. So we apologise for that. We're, we have our calculators in front of us that are ready for any future statistical or numerical related activity. I'm 110% behind you, Rory. <laughs> but interesting statistics, one, one note of topicality, and we, we promise to dip in and out of matters north of the border from time to time, you know, without you know, boring those that have no interest whatsoever and couldn't care less one way or the other. But a very interesting note in the, uh, the uh, election of a new Scottish National Party leader, um, Hamza Yusuf, uh, who won his election after second preference votes were taken into account um, with a 
percent to 48 percent, which I, I term the golden ratio of elections and referenda. I think other result. people call it other things. Alistair Campbell <laughs> has a, a name for it. Um, it's the, the, the bastard Brexit vote, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I think anyone who's won an election or a vote based on 52 percent versus 48 percent is possibly... I was going to use the term the golden ratio, but it's probably a very tarnished... I think it's a poison chalice, a poison to, chalice to be ratio, honest. And I, ha- and I have to say very briefly on, on Hamza Yusuf, who I term Hamza Yusuf. I, I do apologise. We're going to just pause for one moment. One of my devices has reacted and started playing a song. I think we may have inadvertently uttered an Alexa instruction. So we're pausing for just one moment, podcasters. So we've dealt with Amazon and Ed Sheeran. Apologies for that interruption. Um, we were talking about Hamza Yusuf, and uh, I'm unsure as to whether he'll be successful. So picking up on Tim's point there of the poison chalice, um, you know, again, what's his mission? His mission is to achieve Scottish independence. He's the continuity candidate from Nicola Sturgeon and her team who have not moved forward. In fact, have probably regressed the case for Scottish independence. Not the case, but the activity towards it over the last eight years. So what I'm interested in, though, is 70% turnout of the members voted. Now, I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. So if you're bothered enough to be the member of a party and to pay your subs, surely you want to have a vote in the most important or second most important decision well, that you're going to have in the, the SNP or any other party. Yeah, I agree. I've, where's Liz Truss? I, I, indeed, where, where's the calculator when we need it? Indeed. <laughs> From our previous record. But certainly my, my great fear is that the, the actual membership of the Scottish National Party is not actually 72,000. It's much nearer the, the turnout of 50-odd thousand, uh, which is still a remarkable percentage of the population. I think it still represents something greater than 1% of the, the, the population of Scotland are a member of the SNP. Um, because there was a resignation, wasn't there, just before the vote? Yes, um, the chief executive officer. Um, who also happens to be Mr Sturgeon. Mr Sturgeon, Nicola Sturgeon's husband, Peter Murrell, um, uh, basically lost confidence, you know, given the fact that they'd, uh, you know, not been very transparent and forthcoming and accurate about previous requests to quote party numbers but then very few political parties do so you know you can't fault them for that but you can fault them for getting the, the optics and the messaging completely wrong and I they think did. the only one that ever really um, did a lot of talking about the numbers was the Labour Party when um, Jeremy Corbyn managed to get the numbers to go through the roof um, bringing in the um, young voters and look how well that ended indeed indeed so um one of the things we're going to talk about topically is it was that. We've, I think we've dealt with that quite satisfactorily for now. Um, so, the Isle of Wight, the jewel of the South. We seem to be getting a lot of television attention, Rory. Have you noticed this? Yes, anyone would think it was coming up to some sort of holiday season where... When the, the sun always shines. Yeah, the powers that be might be trying to encourage, you know, the staycationers to... To, to visit the Isle of Wight. It also tests your um, tolerance to Alan Titchmarsh, I think. Yes, I have a very low threshold of tolerance to Alan Titchmarsh, but a very high threshold when it comes to images of the Isle of Wight. It, it's beautiful. It's island porn. Um, but it, it, it's a bit dis, disjuncted. It kind of um, doesn't flow. I think you said earlier, you, you'll be on a drone journey around the needles and then you'll suddenly cut to cows home of British sailing or whatever it may be and if you live here it just kind of irritates a little bit that it doesn't flow a little better. I think it's very much like um, 
drama productions that I took part in when I was a young young lad. I remember once performing Arthur Miller's The Crucible, and I was playing a guy, an old guy called Giles Corey, and I was a doddering old interfering busybody. And I had to move from the front of the stage to the back of the stage, but it took about three pages for me to do that. And one of the guys who was playing the, the lead character jumped <laughs> three pages. He, he just made a mess up of his lines. And um, I had to stroll somehow back from the front of the stage to the rear of the stage nonchalantly. Um, the audience never knew anything had gone wrong. Well, that's just masterly acting, obviously. And, and I think bringing it back to the, the jewel in the South, the jewel of the South, um, uh, the literal editing from location to location is pretty abysmal but the imagery and the this kind of the, the the hug that you get from looking at these wonderful scenes of sylvan landscapes cutting to sparkling coastlines is just gorgeous and it is what it's like to live here so, so would it be better if they just set 30 minutes of gorgeous views to, to rousing national music I think gorgeous views and rousing music, I would agree with. I don't think there's a need for you know, necessarily putting out the bunting. I mean, the Isle of Wight has enough natural bunting that it doesn't need a... What about the little segments, then? Have any stood out for being particularly great or particularly bad or well, I, I, irrelevant? I, I, I think there were some very interesting segments, like the, the fisherman in Bembridge yes. who um, came over. I think he'd been a painter and decorator or builder, electrician, some trades... And he went out with his daughter in yeah, the little boat yeah. every day. Yeah, and, and run a very successful fishmongers in Bembridge Village, and um, o- almost fish to order to some extent. But likewise, whatever they catch, they'll they'll put on on display. For you thought that people like the Blakes in Ventnor might have got in involved in that same sort of bit. You almost end up thinking, well, why did they choose this one rather than that one? Exactly. What about the Flower Lady of Sandown, where they managed to make Sandown look like Miami? It was almost unbelievable. They, they must have they had ch- a particular lens on. I mean, I love Sandown and what Sandown has been, could be, should be, but certainly parts of Sandown are not like it was... A little tired and, at yeah. the moment, although there is some regeneration yeah, going yeah. on. Where it, One of the treats where we used to arrive on holiday every year was driving along the front from Yavaland or Yavaland and there used to be a pub called the Jolly Sailor um, and a nightclub underneath it and every year another letter would fall off of the Jolly Sailor and eventually it became the O Ale and my boys used to love this because we would say what's it going to be this year dad it, mm, very... they didn't have a very exciting life in those days and they used to build it up and it was a little bit unreasonable expectation very faulty towers very yeah, faulty yeah. what was it arty towers yes. arty towers <laughs> but I, I do think again some of the stories were a little bit kind of magazine you know kind of High-profile individuals compared with you know uh, ordinary, hard-working, you know, well-minded like Sandown Flower Lady organising litter picking, very, very industrious and and to be congratulated and complimented for all that wonderful work. Um, contrasted by this drippingly romantic narrative from from Alan Titchbarth, who's a good speaker, he's a very interesting speaker. It, it felt a bit like a production, like like buying books by the mm. yard to decorate your coffee shop. You know, it, it, they almost commission it, and it's like it's like it was produced by AI. Uh, you see, that's it. AI very much in the news at the moment. But if, <laughs> if if there were an argument for television being produced artificially, this would be it because 
I mean, there, there are things like uh, Michael Portillo, sometimes some of the, or Bill Nighy doing these railway programmes. When you know he's not actually there, he's sitting in Maida Vale doing it in the studio and just taking the cheque and the train is thundering across the GAN in Australia or somewhere or Montreal. And it, it felt a little bit like television by the yard to in, me. In, indeed. But, but glorious viewing. And I think one of the things that uh, locals have picked up on is that there has been a, an increase in footfall and visitors to the island attributable to the Channel 5 programme, Isla White and Jewel of the South. So keep funnelling them all into Sundown. Yeah. And, and very, very interestingly, um, the programme was set, I think, for four episodes initially, but it's been commissioned for an extra two, which have been produced rapid breakneck speed so your your suspicion that it might have been generated through chat gpt4 uh is possibly something we should investigate further but um uh we're recording on 30th of march there's an episode tonight there's another episode next week uh, uh also on thursday a few on tech, Channel 5. tech big boys saying that whatever it is five should be delayed because they're getting a bit twitchy and scary they're getting twitchy because of this concept that is known i believe as singularity which is a point at which we will not be able to turn it off because the artificial intelligence will have managed to weave itself into the fabric of systems which control our everyday life. Or in um, the language of cinema, the Terminator. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I think, like all things, there's probably a conceptual issue to be concerned with, but the harsh reality would not be as stark and as... Uh, Armageddon-esque is, is, is being suggested. I, again, a lot of content is produced for a lot of attention. There has been some very funny items where, for example, radio producers getting the script produced in their style or asking it to write a, an article in the style of a Daily Mail front page and so forth. And some of them have been so, so, so accurate. Yeah, yeah. I think the scary thing is in producing content based on rules and parameters that you give it, ask it to generate something, it it will do it fairly accurately. However, I did ask ChatGPT last week. I don't think I told you this. It's whilst you were on, on holiday. I asked ChatGPT to write a script for a podcast that introduced how you travel to and on the Isle of Wight. And it talked about the ferries and it talked about the hovercraft and it talked about the buses and the trains and, and so on. It then introduced the Solent Bridge, which is a very popular way of crossing from the mainland to the island. Second only to the tunnel. Second only to the tunnel. So fixed linkers out there, you know, will be very pleased to hear that. Uh, it's a bit like however, flat earthers, isn't it? Yeah. Fixed linkers. <laughs> however, the, in, Actually, fixed linkers sounds like a viz column. <laughs> I think maybe we should put that on the, the, the social media channels, yeah. I, well, I, think, I think we should ask people to design the logo. Indeed, indeed. That would be an interesting competition for the Isle of Wight fixed linkers. Yes. Yes, yes. Great competition. Watch our Instagram, quite like. And uh, now we know where Alan Titchmarsh got the script from. What about Cockfields? Ah, Cockfields. This is the second fairly major um, uh, substantial coverage of the Isle of Wight. This time the medium is a sitcom. On which channel? On uh, This is on BBC Two now. Uh, it's being broadcast BBC Two, and um, it's the first series of the Cockfields, which is a... We'll call it a delightful sitcom. One of the authors of the sitcom is a guy called Joe Wilkinson, who's a very uh, well-known actor and um, pundit on games like 8 Out of 10. Yes, with, with the beard and quite a deadpan delivery style. That's right, yes. The Postman on Afterlife. Yes, well, indeed. Was, yes, right. And several other... 
bit players, but famous people. Who was the comedian? Uh, uh, Bobby Ball. Yes. Um, and Sue... Uh, uh, Sue Johnson. Sue, Sue Johnson. From the from, Royal from, Family. And, and from um, Brookside. Yes, yes. And I think probably the, 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 the premise of the Cockfields is Joe Wilkinson and his girlfriend, um, Diane Morgan, who uh, from Afterlife, and also Philomena Kunk. Um, it's like a female Jonathan Pye, for those of you who know. Very, very funny uh, 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 characterizations. Uh, they come back to uh, Joe's family for the weekend, his mother and his stepfather and stepbrother. They happen to live on the Isle of Wight. So again, like with the Channel 5 programme, you get this glorious cinematography, wonderful sweeping vistas, uh, vistas um, great panning shots. The essential sitcom is how awful it is to bring a girlfriend, boyfriend back to meet your family. And with Sue Johnson in one of the leading roles, it's very reminiscent of the royal family. It is, and it's it's also... I often think of them as the comedy of acute embarrassment. Yes. Because you know that somebody's going to say something that's going to upset somebody for one reason or another, and food plays a constant thing as being the thing that you stuff in people's mouths when the going gets tough. And yeah. the younger brother who's returned home has had some challenges. I, I'm just trying to remember what his job was. Oh, crikey. Yeah. No, I can't remember. Can't you binge-watched it, so you've probably yeah. gone in and out um, quite quickly. Like I'm, so many things. I'm watching it, as we would call, real-time as it's broadcast, yeah. so that I savour the anticipation of the next episode. It's uh, working on many different levels. So there is kind of just the embarrassment comedy side, but there's also so many funnier sides yeah. and... Um, so many references to other programmes. We think set in Brystone. Do you have a view on this? We have a view. We agree. Um, one of the great lines that uh, my wife Jane and I enjoyed from the first episode. There's three episodes in series one, and they're entitled Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday because it's this, depicting this weekend on the Isle of Wight. Um, it's like, like a timeline that's been created. Absolutely. There. Absolutely, yes. Um, now, the girlfriend has is known to mother and stepfather um, and one of the great lines is I went into Totland to buy some lard because I noticed you didn't have any lard in your fridge <laughs> and the, the girlfriend Diane Morgan's face just shocked and disbelief. Uh, Going back to Viz again um, the, the bus that you would always drive across any of the um, scripts always used to say eat lard for health, smoke tabs <laughs> Strange yeah, but true. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Eat lard. You can get a T-shirt. <laughs> so I, I think the great thing about these programmes is they do um, pitch the Isle of Wight visually in its best light. Yeah, this one has a decent script, though. And, and, and it's genuinely yeah. funny. So funny. I think that would be our recommendation rather than the other one, which yeah. is more kind of light relief. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to flick through a travel brochure, you know, watch Channel 5, yeah. uh, listen to Alan Titchmarth, Wax Lyrical, and then Wax Lyrical some more, and then Wax Lyrical. And again, a, again. Good, a good place for holiday. Yeah. But what about stepping up the pace? What about an action hero? Well, um, I, th I think uh, being Islanders and having lived here during 21 and early part of 22, we we experienced, as we experienced from time to time, road closures. And one of the reasons for road closures was there was a major Hollywood, excuse me, Bollywood blockbuster action film being filmed on location on the Isle of Wight. Now, interesting, unlike the first two examples we've talked about, there was no mention of the Isle of Wight in the plot. There was no mention of the Isle of Wight as a specific destination in the development of the plot and development of characters. 
they've just filmed here conveniently. So obviously we have a lot of peace and quiet. We have a lot of space and we have a lot of patience as an island. But an action hero, uh, which is a very well critically received blockbuster action movie which is comedic which is suspenseful which is full of car chases high octane thrillers a lot of cars that were used in the production apparently came from the fast and the furious stable of cars um, uh, in its production is this like chases along the military road chases along the military road absolutely yeah Uh, some 300 island residents were hired either as actors extras uh, as well as logistical so not a zombie film not a zombie film there was no oh, no. no 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 zombie films no. it was it was uh, I think background actors you know people serving in co-ops and uh, and so on now I, I found a trailer sort of extended five minute trailer on the YouTube as my children would say um, but we believe it's also available on Netflix yes it, it obviously being a, a Bollywood film it was produced primarily for cinema release in India um, and it's Hindu language with English subtitles, but it has, as of uh, end of January, early February 23, has appeared on Netflix. So it's available to, to download, watch on Netflix. I do think we should try region. and get a poster pic onto the Instagram site. I think we will be able to do that for sure. Yes. yes. So you might even be able to click on it and then by the wonders of modern technology, be whisked to the world of Ventnor. And maybe even an Instagram reel of one of the trailers. If I even know what I'm talking about there. Well, you sound very convincing to me. Finally, wasn't there a um, coastal food season? Was it Ainsley and Grace Dent? Yeah, Grace Dent, food critic. Yes, um, The Guardian. Uh, and Ainsley Harriet, celebrity chef. Yes. And producer of fine packet soups, amongst many other uh, products and offerings. They spent um, a few days on the island visiting many of the, the great spots uh, for uh, food, for you know, passing the time whilst enjoying food, learning about food, and because I guess that they they were much more subject specific. For me, I think you get more quality in it because they're talking about very specific things and then comparing and contrasting. They went to the Smoking Lobster, I think. On Ventnor Seafront? Yeah, yes. where else? They went to one of the Grace's Bakery outlets oh, yes. and, and learned yeah. about local island donuts, I think, uh, certainly pastries. Um, uh, they were off to the North Shore and spent time in one of the uh, um, developing um, holiday camp sites, um, which is uh, is going through some development activity at the moment on the north shore of the island. You, you were telling me that there's actually even a company that uh, ah. promotes the various sets and locations. Mm-hmm. So that if you, you know, like Film White or something it's called. So if you want to come and make a movie and need to hire a ghostly house, for example, they'll steer you to perhaps to Apple. Apple Durkham or if you need a character to be eaten by a lion you'll probably end up in Sandown exactly and then you might go to the zoo after yeah um, <laughs> or if you, if you need a classic county cricket ground then there's yes. aerial shots of new close and or uh, see somebody die from eating fish and chips you'd go to Oz's because the portions are enormous <laughs> but yes yeah, so that website is is known as film white dot com uh, and it's a um, government supported uh, initiative and you know because here in the island we have some wonderful light um, we have a lot of space, as I talked about. I mentioned that we as a population have a lot of patience uh, to um, have uh, film crews come visit and, and share the time with us and a variety of locations. So even just browsing through the Film Might website is great. So uh, we've been delighted 
to, to see the Isle of Wight kind of covering screens uh, um, over the last few weeks. And we hope you'll have to find time to pick these out for yourselves as well. Cut. Uh, next section then of stuff to talk about. I think we've been talking about island uh, on screen. Let's talk about island on a plate and in a mug and in a glass. Um, so as the season's opening up, we're uh, late March, heading into April. Um, I've been able very luckily to take my family to the hut at Colwell Bay. Um, is this the posh one? This is what you would call the posh one, I think, primarily because its prices are significant and it, and it, it produces a, a very... Um, haute cuisine range of uh, uh, dishes, beautiful, lots of flavour, lots of clever uh, cooking going on there. Most of the clients arrive by boat. Uh, in the main summer season, I think is encouraged that if you have a boat, then it's the perfect way to arrive and then be taxied on a rib tender from your boat uh, to a little pontoon, a floating pontoon, then up the steps and uh, into the restaurant. But I wouldn't call the restaurant posh because its vibe is actually quite the opposite. It's very laid back, relaxed. Um, people are encouraged to wear clothes that don't match, for example. You know, it's a beach club lifestyle uh, destination and, and it's really good. So if you want food, food's the top reason to go. Se seafood based? Or? Uh, I think there's a lot of seafood, yep. not exclusively. So they do have a cheeky little burger hiding out in the menu for those that are perhaps, you know, uh, less adventurous in their palate. Um, but a range of dishes, a range of seafood. Um, we had soft-shelled crab on the table. We had sea bass on the table. We had a bang-bang chicken, kind of Asian fusion dish on the table. Um, lots of supporting side dishes as well. Um, great cocktails, mocktails as well as cocktails. And again, the budget. You know, you have to go with a budget in terms of expecting to pay you know, a decent amount, but the the experience is is absolutely first class. One where you need to book, book well in advance, I guess. I think so. Yeah. Again, there's probably a lot of availability now because yeah. we're still in relatively yep. low season. But as soon as you get into the high season, particularly weekends, particularly lunch times, and particularly evenings when there's going to be a glorious Totland Bay, Colwell Bay, West White sunset, uh, forget it. If you haven't booked it now there's a chance you might not get in at one of those peak premium times. And again, talking about the, the boat um, coming across, a lot of the charter boat fleet that operate across the south coast, Pool Harbour, around the Solent, will have booked up slots already um, in the anticipation of selling those on to, to corporate clients. They, they also have a rather wonderful... I want to call it a duck. You know those amphibious vehicles yeah, yeah. that you know could drive across a river, and so one of those, which is blue, flashes between there and Yarmouth, presumably for people coming off the boat. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And I don't know whether it's truly a duck, but it looks like it is. It's and a truck. It's driven by. The job description, I'd love to see it, because it has to be a floppy-haired public schoolboy who has to flick his eye hair back out of his hair every, every, every so often, and it's probably called Giles. You'd like to think that, but in fact, the, the guy that drives the hut truck, as it's called, which is not amphibious, but it's a very well-suspended, you know, it's about... Amphibious-looking. Amphibian-looking, uh, looky-likey, five, six feet off the ground, so you'd have to get up some steps to yes. get into the back of it. Um, ZZ Top would be the first thing that comes to mind with the, the main driver. So uh -huh. full beard, shades, looking very cool. Well, the ones yeah. I saw was definitely a floppier. Less less preppy. Um, but there's also the owner who, and the, the kind of maitre d' who have got that kind of beach hut. We're on holiday. Everyone's having a good time. Uh, we once went on one of those duck things. Oh, yeah. We, we went to... Um, 
10 or near 10 be in, in Wales yes. and to get out to the island in the bay which is name escapes me um if the tide was out you had to go on the amphibious duck the boat the boat itself was called nemesis 2 which was a story in its own right and we asked them what what had happened to nemesis 1 and they gave us that welsh look that you get when you're english but riding the duck and there's quite a few people in, in wheelchairs and getting them off onto the pontoon was was challenging but lundy island i think it was called I think you're right. you go to see the seals and so, so generally the, colonies, the wildlife yeah. mm, really mm. really good but nemesis 2 it sticks with mm, me mm. So yeah, that was great. It was my daughter's birthday, so we we splashed about. No expense spared. But we equally had a lovely lunch at the Spyglass Inn. So another seafront, coastal location, glorious views, and it was a bit of a, a challenging day in the weather. So we we kind of tucked ourselves away in a cosy corner uh, of the Spyglass, surrounded by all the sea memorabilia and marine. Artifacts and had a I had a glorious stew. Pictures or pictures on the Insta site. Yeah, with dumplings, oh. uh, which we call north of the border. Uh, we call them dough balls. Dough balls. Yeah, balls of dough, uh, but they're referred to as dumplings because they now sell dough balls as a sort of a pizza alternative, don't they? Often, you know, kind of together in a clump of six, yeah. you tear and share type yeah, stuff. Absolutely. So I didn't yeah. know that the sky. What's a clouty dumpling then? A clouty dumpling is, is that a fruit-based? rich fruit cake, but that is cooked with suet and those kind of so, ingredients so a in a bag in a steam, steam in pudding bag. type yeah. thing with costa. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're learning yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, another day, we'll talk about black bun. Which is another variant. That sounds like a dog who saved somebody <laughs> in the great mining disaster of 1912. <laughs> well, I've, I've talked about a couple of my uh, island on a plate experiences recently. Would, 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 we, would we both say, though, that if you just wanted a reliable family meal, the Spyglass, oh. is it, it, the thing that staggers me is its consistency. It's not the cheapest, but it, it's about, about par for the island for sort of decent pub food. Yeah. But, but, I don't think we've ever had a bad meal. And it's generous, it's well cooked, there's a good choice. There's always three or four specials. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, th- I think we would say it's, you, you won't go far wrong. It's a banker, uh, basically. It, it is a banker. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so mine's a bit more less left field. Um, my wife and I went for breakfast. Ah, to, bringing up the breakfast to, thing. Of course, to Cafe I Solder in Newport. Now, the reason we were doing that was because the dog needed to have his coat clipped. Our regular lady out in um, New Church has just had a baby, so he's um, taking a little break, and she'd recommended a pal of hers in central Newport. So we, we, we dumped the pooch and... Um, went to the cafe which looks like it's in an old bank building mm-hmm. it's opposite Stotesbury's chip shop which is often rated the best chippy in, in on the island and we went in not really sure what to expect and it's it's coffee but they do plenty of food and mainly vegetarian vegan type stuff but as a concession they do do a i think it's just called a full breakfast i think on the menu and the the quality of the ingredients was exceptional isle of white tomatoes i don't think there was a sausage but there was bacon but weirdly there was a lime um there was rocket salad and there was an avocado um and ciabatta yes now i'm personally very happy with all of those things and have no had no problem with it at all and would recommend it but um there's a few uh purist breakfast sites out on facebook and 
other tools and I got a considerable lambasting for putting so much greenery onto a site which rarely even sees baked beans as, as, a, as a grudging vegetable but yeah cafe cafe I sold up the uh, coffee is really good great range of cakes and then ciabattas and stuff later in the day again recommended and reasonably priced this is fairly central to Newport isn't it as you say you're yes. describing uh, its location it's kind of right in the heart just off yeah uh, St Nicholas Square you could also say probably Square, about six down from McDonald's right yeah yeah. to place it, but, Give it but on the culinary to, map to, totally central and yeah. it has sort of two levels so it's a bit like going into Gringotts Bank in, in Harry Potter you know you, there's this kind of circle level presumably where the rich and famous eat um, that kind of looks down on the rest of it and it's a nice atmosphere really well, like, fr- friendly like a it's VIP like, booth yes yes Interesting, the cow at Tatnall Farm, has, which we'll talk about another time, um, given time for on today's podcast, um, has a similar kind of um, mezzanine layer uh, level that I've you can I've eaten up there, and I suspect it's because of the dog. Ah, the dog. I thought the view. Now, that's an interesting well, one. Well, you think the dog likes the view? I think the dog likes the view. The view... He, he, the dog does like a view, actually. The view from that mezzanine floor at the cow yes. at Tatnall Farm, stunning, right down the valley. Um, towards the sea whereas downstairs you're kind of in a busy you can almost see three bits of sea can't you that's right yes. you can just about see west north and south right. just just not yeah. east but it's yeah, um, yeah absolutely it's yeah. It, uh, and burger burgers to die for in many ways is also got a unique herd of cows outside yes i i tried to interact with them did you tim but they, they were they were very um unengaging i found so these are model cows, life-size, but each of them is painted in the logo and branding of an Isle of Wight business. So there's certainly a mermaid gin cow. Mm. There's an Isle of Wight steam railway cow. Um, there's Visit the Needles cow. Um, many cows. Visit, How many? 20 or 30? Visit cows cow. Visit cows cow. Yes. Cows. <laughs> So I think whilst we're whetting everyone's appetites for places to eat and drink on the Isle of Wight, we should probably, you know, highlight a few dates for the diary. For me, Tim, um, uh, tomorrow, Friday the 31st of March, the Captain's Cabin at Colwell Bay, near neighbour to the hut at Colwell Bay, is opening for the season. So we're so already. So this is the one on the pier? No, this is Colwell Bay, ah. which is peerless, many would say, um, as in it hasn't got a pier. Um some people would say it has no rivals as well. It's where we keep our beach hut. It's where the hut restaurant we talked about earlier, uh, the posh hut. But also Captain's Cabin is a glorious uh, um, destination where you can get a full breakfast. You get really good quality cafe food throughout the day. What we call, because of a family um, toddler many years ago, a coffee and a cake on a plate. You know, a, a proper mm. slice of cake, shortbread, uh, Whatever you fancy. We we almost bought a, a house there um, on on the did, the yeah. entrance road to the to the bay. Colwell Chine Road. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We um liked it. It was you know our, probably our second favourite. The layout was a little bit odd, but um as you walk down the lane, the house with the bamboo outside could it could have been Sh- Shade Edmund. So yeah, I know I know which one one yeah, you mean yeah. now. Very um, very we, nice. We, we we have. You know, we're a 10-minute walk to that place, so we have a lovely cup of coffee there when we just feel like it. Sunday afternoon, go for a, a slice of cake and a coffee, or for a breakfast, or for a you know a more hearty lunch. So delighted it's back. We've missed it as a, a kind of a casual destination throughout the winter. We must probably talk about what it would take to keep some of these popular establishments going over the winter, you know. 
yeah, not, I, not denying people the right to a holiday, of course. There, there are some that sort of stagger through the closed season, mm-hmm. but, and then those, those that just make their money in the six, seven, yeah. eight, eight months, yeah. and it's a bit of a balance, I guess. Yeah. I've got a couple of things to mention. Um, we've already talked a little bit about the Isle of Wight um, steam railway. Recently, win- winners of Heritage Railway of the Year, incidentally. Um, 29th to the 31st of April is their Real Ale Festival, which we thoroughly enjoyed last year. Can I correct your calendar? Yeah. There, the 31st of April, are you sure? Twin, um, 29th of April to the 1st of May? Could be. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. 31st of April <laughs> is a concept as opposed to a reality. I suppose if you've been at the beer festival since the, since the 29th, you <laughs> probably wouldn't be too worried, Rory, to 30 be days, half September. <laughs> How many beers did they have last time? How many beers have you had just now? <laughs> oh, last we, we think near 50. I estimated low. I, I, yeah, I, th- I think about 50. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. there were ciders and perries and things, Absolutely, but yeah, the bulk yeah. of them being Glorious, sort of yeah. traditional ales of yeah, one kind or yeah. another. So Looking forward to that again. Yes, steam ride in the middle and a, f- a few pints before and after, yes. Can I have the 30th of April? All yours, Tim. Is that a Rory approved? It's an approved date. Thank you. Um, Rookley Gardeners Galore. So Rookley, the little village I live in the middle of the island, um, has a garden festival once a year where the great and the good come and sell plants and equipment and um, burgers and cakes and so forth. And I went along last year offering to help with the car parking, thinking it would be five men and a dog. And it was more like 5,000 cars and a dog. And the, the island... That, that because it's central, there's a number of key roads that go through, and they were all queuing back about three miles because there was no traffic control, and the um, field couldn't accommodate more than about 200 cars. So it kind of burst the banks. I think probably of COVID, there was a lot of enthusiasm to get up. out there and yeah, yeah. buy plants, and I believe it had always been very popular in previous years. So um, it, it kind of regenerated that. So anyone who's interested in gardening, it's worth a look from about nine till twelve. Is Aaron Titchmarsh? Attending, he's do, he's doing the commentary. He's doing the vocal. The burger van is now open, and there'll, there'll be a drone shot of the needles. <laughs> so, moving along with our wry sense of humour, leaving that firmly behind. Um, one of the things we were d- discussing, uh, f- content-wise, before you know, planning this this particular episode, was working out what gives us a sense of good value. So. Clearly, Rookley Gardeners Galore is going to be a really valuable couple of hours out, you know, buy some plants, you know, chat to, you know, a fellow green-fingered enthusiast. And I think from the, the, the Rookley Village Association, it kind of pays most of their bills for the year. So they have a nice um, hut, hot community hall, and which needs to be electricityed and watered and mm. so forth, which is expensive stuff nowadays. And and this, in one hit, takes care of most yeah, of that. Yeah. So they, they use it as a cash cow and um, So is there an, admission, benefits. an entry fee or is it just, um, you know, buying a burger, buying a tea and a coffee? No, and... they've avoided that. that. That was my suggestion. What they do is they do a bucket collection by a nominated charity. So I think this year it is someone like the RSPCA who've got a dog... Um, reclamation zone at sure. the end of the village so they come and they make you know sort of nearly a, nearly a grand last year yeah and then there are various selling opportunities burgers ice creams wi cakes yeah. and so forth excellent excellent so what, what we were sort of going through in our heads was what how do you assess whether you've had a good day out or a good experience 
or were you entertained? Because we, as human beings, we, we find many ways to pass the time. We find many ways to be entertained. And for example, yeah, get into the grips of this, you know, being boys, you know, we like to put things into proper buckets and um, have things with metrics and things that can be compared as and boys. contrasted as boys would we'll do. We'll put those beach volleyball links onto the um, Instagram <laughs> Absolutely, site. Absolutely, yes. They came up on our boys' Instagram pages. Um, so when you buy a book, Tim, what would you typically pay for a book? You know, a, a new issue, a new a new, a new release, eight, nine pounds? I, you see, I tend to buy things for the Kindle. Sure. So now I don't buy that much full price stuff. So they tend to be cheaper. Talking about books, last time we did this, you lent me a copy of a John Grisham that you'd enjoyed, which I think had come from the library and been yeah, sold, sold on. Sold on, and yeah. I, I've read lots of John Grishams in the past. I hadn't read this one. I read it and was totally absorbed. Master storyteller, not something I would normally buy, but with sort of twenty pages to go, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, a very quick read. But how do you put a comparative value well, on the pleasure from that yeah. compared to something where you pay thirty or forty pounds yeah. for a ticket for something? Say a ticket for a concert, a yes. rock concert, um, maybe an ELO tribute band at Shankman Theatre in uh, in June, July. What? If you paid thirty pounds, well, actually, for, I think it's at the end of the eight of April, so maybe on a day be, that doesn't yes. exist. Yeah, it could well be the thirty-first of April. I won't again. be letting this one go, Roy. <laughs> the thirty-third of March. It's quite possible. <laughs> so, if you spent thirty pounds for a two-hour rock concert, you get fifteen pounds of value for entertainment. If you spent, say, eight ninety-nine nine pounds on a Kindle release new title from your favourite author. Um, how long would it take you to read a typical novel? 12 hours? 10 hours? So, um, so for 90p an hour compared to 15p an hour, what gives you the best return for your entertainment dollar? Um, and buying, that, buying things from charity shops. Well, indeed, so, yeah, you buy something from a charity shop that you love and cherish for... But it's, but it's back yeah. to your John Grisham, which may have cost 99p from a charity Absolutely, shop. Absolutely, yeah. But we've both got enormous pleasure out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fairly sh short book. So how do you compare it to going to see Arsenal top of the Premier League, but it's going to cost you £50 to go to the yeah. Emirate for yeah. an hour and a half and um, the chance to buy an £18 burger? But would you... And that's the way to it. How would you wait... The, res the return, the entertainment return of that Arsenal experience versus your 99p. Well, and of course it's a gamble because it might, they might get beaten 6-0 yeah. by Grimsby. So they have to win. Well, do they? C can you have a magnificent fighting draw? Is there any glory in defeat? <laughs> I, I suppose, I mean, having not really attended a football team regularly for many years, I mean, Tim, you and I, both lived in Aldershot for many years and you know Still on I, the terraces a few times and the my first job my first paid emolument was as a, a program seller at uh, the recreation ground in Aldershot um where I got two pounds a match for standing there for a couple of hours holding coins yes and hating it when the pound coin came out okay. and hating it when the small five pence came they out they now of course have um you know, card oh, readers. Oh, yeah. That shows how out of date I am. You'd like, probably... big, the big issue has card readers for their, all their people. Do they have, um, uh, you know, loan 
uh, arrangements as well. So they can <laughs> Some are financial advisors <laughs> as well who are just doubling up. <laughs> Did you get to watch the football as well when you were selling programmes? We always finished about 10, 15 minutes after the start of the yeah, match. So yes. mo- most, I, most of it. Then I was able to swap a programme for a cup of Bovril um, at, at one of the, one of the uh, stands. <laughs> I, but, can, I can remember walking one of my sons down to the ground and being allowed in for the second half to stand at um, the West End before it had the uh, yeah. family stands. Well, they always opened the with, gates with the push chair. Yeah, to, to let, you know, let the um, people who weren't happy with the progress of the, <laughs> the match out earlier. But then, of course, people were able to flood in. But the point I think I'm trying to get at here is if you went to a football match and you shouted your lungs out and your adrenaline rose and fell and you had the joy and the despair and all those emotions you would come out genuinely feeling quite drenched and um that you'd been through a ringer is that worth more than you know relaxing reading a book watching a movie that costs you 3.99 to buy to rent you know to watch again for an hour and a half two hours um what is it that suggests that that product requires a price that is that high? And I appreciate there's costs and salaries and, and, and so on involved in delivering any. Put another way, what are you paying for? Why do you go back and give your money for it? What do you get out of it? That, that it's, it's the same question, just slightly mm. rephrased. Yeah. And I, I think I think it's probably some kind of visceral connection. Mm. So some sort of gut thing that connects you to the activity. So if that is a great piece of music, it's you know it, it's recognition, it's seeing everybody else loving it, it's standing up and cheering and feeling part of something bigger. And there's clearly a scarcity value, which is why some footballers and musicians get paid more than others because mm-hmm. they're better or more popular. Um, and then, same with the football. So the football is kind of a group experience. Yes. So you know, there could be fifty thousand people, but there, there could be fifteen hundred on a wet night in Hartlepool. But when that goal goes in, you you have that same feeling yes. of belonging and connecting and being part of something bigger. And I suspect the same is yeah. true of a, a book. Here we go. Interesting segue. I yeah. don't know if any of you have listened to The Piano Room, which is Ooh. BBC Radio's series where artists get invited into the Maida Vale studios, usually with Ken Bruce, to play two or three tracks, but on, on the piano or with limited acoustic accompaniment. But you too did a, verse, a session a couple of weeks ago, um, <clears throat> which is out as a sort of mini podcast uh, via BBC Sounds. And they play, they've got a new album out of acoustic versions of their hits called Four. 40 songs of surrender i think and um the edge and bono admit to being great uh abba fans and one of the covers that they do during this session is of um sos but and talk about their their adventures with with, with abba on to on tour and it's a lovely listen and they they also deconstruct some of their biggest songs um so Vertigo, for example, is sort of sung falsetto and a bit of a cappella, and you're just really different. And they said they did it to see whether the kind of the music that had been successful for them <clears throat> really was unbreakable. So if they stripped it down to its rawest components, and that they they felt, and it depends how you feel about you too, but they they felt that 
it passed the test for them and the stuff that they thought was great they couldn't break and they tried in a different version and actually it still still worked for them and i think this gets back to your point about what sort of that visceral connection is and what pulls the heartstrings and what mm. makes you feel involved and this was almost like a test of it to say can we throw away the pomp of being you know a big world rock band and stadiums and drums and guitars and actually strip it down to the basics and see if it mm. still works see if the song works the song the lyrics, the tune, the notes, the chords, the, the passion, the emotion. Yeah, my wife yeah. says it sounds like they're busking on the tune, mm. but, but, but I suspect they would take that as a compliment. Yeah. And um, do listen out to their version of SOS, which is wonderful. It reminds me very much your little segue there of, uh, we were discussing this last week with family, the um, Mike Flowers Pops. If you remember the Mike Flowers Pops, who did this gloriously cheeky cover of Wonderwall by Oasis. And for a period of time, maybe for a week or so, there was this, did, did the Mike Flowers Pops come first? Was that a 60s band that we'd all forgotten about? And did Oasis actually do a cover of it in their presentation, in their raw style uh, of Wonderwall? And of course, Oasis, of course, wrote Wonderwall, did it first. And these guys did this kind of happy 60s um, California Beach Boysy Monkeys style. Um, rendition of Wonderwall. Great songs can take that. They, they can take the, the reinterpretation, yeah, exactly. and, yeah. but there's something in them that gra- that grabs yeah. you. And yeah. I often think of Spirit in the Sky. Yeah, yeah it, it's been number one, I think, about four or five times, and it works every time. Yeah. and it, be, be just because it's got something in it that that, that pulls you in. Yeah. Um, you know, you wouldn't pick it necessarily as a favourite song, but you just hear it and you just know. Yeah, and of course, some people would get very angry about this you know, messing with something that was perfection. So a U2 aficionado would get angry if they were um, uh, that which was made beautiful once um, was messed about with. Maybe. So do you think food works in the same way? Well, I think the coming back to the product and your visceral alignment, why would you pay 60, 70, 80 pounds a head for lunch at the hut in Colwell Bay? But, and have a wonderful experience and feel like you've got incredible value for money, but equally spend 20 quid a head on Spyglass Inn, but equally feel that you've had great value for money and you've had the experience you expected and you went in to enjoy. So I think there's expectation. So it's of a time and a place as well, isn't it? There's expectation. There's also company and ambiance and all those other you know things that go to make the experience but there perhaps should be an equation Mm. oh there there must be about four different things and we probably just talked about them and you could put plus and squared and to the power of n over yes yes indeed and that would actually describe it so i think i think we've cracked it i think we've cracked it there tim yeah i'm not sure anybody else will though we should probably if we've cracked it we should probably finish on a high let's do that so finally then, Tim, um, coming to the end of uh, episode five, uh, we're coming up to Easter. So the schools are breaking, as we mentioned earlier. So we're, we're going off island for a, a, a night over the Easter weekend up to Colchester to see family and to see Thomas the Tank Engine in all his glory. Then the family are coming back to us for a week. So uh, we'll be out and about on the way. Did you like my Thomas input? Oh. <laughs> Thomas impersonation. Steaming in from left field there. Yeah, so I think, so I've got a, um, a work visit over to the mainland this week, and then I think youngest son is coming to spend Easter with us, which is also my wife's birthday. So I believe that we're um, going out to buy some plants for the garden. Very nice. Having got a new patio and some raised beds to put them in and on. 
So with uh, with the island holiday season getting into full swing and with the consequential breaks and visits, we might be looking at uh, another three-week gap before episode six, but we will keep you posted. And we will keep you posted most directly through our new Instagram page on social media, where we will post more regularly, you know, um, content, snaps, videos. Some of the things that we talk about, um, some of the fine breakfasts and so forth. It's also got a rather snazzy new logo, so please do check that out. Absolutely, absolutely. We had a lot of fun putting that together. And uh, don't forget, you know, check out opposite episode four to uh, listen again to uh, our pop of the week. Uh, That prize is going to roll over until someone guesses correctly, and um, no one has yet. But again, we'll use the new social media channel as a way for people to communicate their guesses with us. And if you um, have any questions that you'd like to send through to us, again, the social media outlets can be used for that. We um, enjoyed our Q&A session the uh, the other week, so please keep that going if you've got anything you'd like to ask us in podcast land. Yes, I'm more than happy. I mean, you can send me the questions blind and I'll put them to Tim on the spot without any advance notice. Even better. <laughs> so thank you again, podcasters. It's been great chatting with you for the last uh, 50-odd minutes or so. Um, we look forward to speaking to you next time. And hopefully you should now be fast asleep. So goodbye. That was Quite Like a Podcast presented by Rory Forbes and Tim Dedman.